This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. He keeps saying he takes responsibility for this, but what I have not yet heard is what he defines as taking responsibility. What does that mean? Does that mean that you fire people? Does that mean that you, you know, censure yourself? Like, you apologize, have not heard an apology either. So we want to run through some of the other comments that we didn't get a chance to hear earlier and kind of sum it all up for you without all the doublespeak in between. So first up, he says he takes responsibility for the mistakes that he made. I recognize uh, that this was a situation that shouldn't have happened. Um, But my desire to protect Canadians and at the same time uh, to protect the integrity and the independence of our uh, judicial institutions uh, remained throughout. We recognize that the way this happened shouldn't have happened. I take responsibility uh, for the mistakes that I made. At the same time, we learned many lessons through that and were aided and will be aided by the McClellan report, which has been released today. I kept hearing that. Oh, I take responsibility. But what does that mean? What does it mean when you say you take responsibility? Well, he has an interesting answer when he was asked that. Uh, you said, you've said a couple of times in answer to my colleagues that you take responsibility for what happened in this affair. Um, and I, I harken back to something you wrote on Twitter, of all places, in 2013, when you said it's hard not to feel disappointed when you're in your government when there is a scandal, new scandal every day. Uh, this particular uh, issue has been before Canadians now for many, many months. Uh, you've come into some intense criticism uh, from the commissioner today. Um, when you say you take responsibility, what does that actually look like in concrete terms? And what do you say to disappointed Canadians uh, who may not want to vote through now based on what they're reading today? Uh, Taking responsibility means recognizing that uh, what we did over the past year uh, wasn't good enough. But at the same time, I can't apologize for standing up for Canadian jobs, because that's part of what Canadians expect me to do. They expect me also to stand up for our institutions, and as the Ethics Commissioner pointed out, those two elements came into conflict in an unfortunate way for which I take full responsibility. But more than just taking responsibility for what happened in the past, it means making sure that this mistake never happens again. And that is why months ago, even before today, we asked uh, a panel of experts to submit recommendations on how our government and all future governments will be able to balance and navigate through the very important principles of defending the public interest and respecting and upholding prosecutorial independence and the independence of our judiciary. Uh, Those recommendations which are out today uh, are very much things that uh, will allow us to move forward and make right uh, what obviously didn't work uh, over the last year as we tried to balance competing interests and fell short, as the Ethics Commissioner pointed out. Maybe slightly speechless, actually, with that response. He says what they did over the last year wasn't good enough. No, that was not the problem. It's that what you were doing wasn't good. Not not good enough. You just should not have been doing what you were doing over the last year. The ethics commissioner clearly spelled that out. And here's the other thing. Uh, how is this not 
about corporate influence, right? We've heard that over and over and over again. This one company had way too much sway over certain members of his inner circle when clearly they were all working towards trying to make things easier for SNC-Lavalin. So he was also asked the question, how is this not powerful corporate influence? The report today shows that your government changed the criminal code after the SNC-Lavalin heavily lobbied your office and members of your cabinet for a legal escape hatch. How will you convince Canadians that this is not proof of some powerful corporate influence over, over your government? Um, the uh, deferred prosecution agreements uh, are an element that is in place in many, many countries around the world. Uh, most of our uh, most important allies have these. It allows a company that has been found guilty of wrongdoing to pay fines, to make restitution, to fix their behaviors, take responsibility for their behaviors along some very uh, severe and well-established criteria. Uh, this is a measure that many of our allied countries have that Canada did not have in place. Uh, this was something that uh, well before SNC-Lavalin, uh, Canadian governments have looked at and have considered. It was uh, an element lacking within the uh, tools we have at our disposal to ensure proper behavior uh, by corporations and uh, opportunities for jobs and growth in the country. Uh, and that is why we move forward on bringing in uh, these agreements. Uh, still not buying it. I know. I was still waiting. I thought maybe today would be different. And I don't know why I thought that, but I just thought maybe today after this damning report, the response would be different, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be. Another question has to do with the Privy Council clerk. And remember, he testified uh, during those hearings that the Justice Committee had that he didn't think that any of this was improper. You're talking about somebody who's very powerful, right, in a position uh, that looks after all the bureaucrats in government. And there he was testifying, saying that he didn't think anything was wrong. And so now, in light of the Ethics Commissioner's report, the Prime Minister was also asked, did your privy clerk behave appropriately? Uh, in, in today's report, uh, Mr. Dion points out that he was unable to fully complete his investigative mandate uh, because he was impeded in getting information, uh, cabinet confidences, by the privy clerk, uh, which he really makes no bones about. It was, it was a tremendous stumbling block to, to reach his, his the end of his uh, investigation. I mean, do you think that's an appropriate action uh, by the privy clerk's office, and what will you, if anything, do about it? Uh, the um, cabinet confidentiality and attorney-client privilege, sister-client privilege, are uh, two of the uh, fundamental elements that uphold our democracy and our system of government. So it was not a small thing for our government to decide to waive both solicitor-client privilege and, uh, and uh, cabinet confidence in the matter uh, being studied both by the committee and by the ethics commissioner. We took that decision because we knew that it was important uh, that uh, Canadians and obviously the Ethics Commissioner would be able to uh, access all information and hear all testimony in regards to the matter at hand. Uh, we did exactly that uh, and that is why we were able to have such fulsome parliamentary study and uh, such a uh, fulsome uh, Ethics Commissioner's report. Um, the decision uh, by the uh, Privy Council to not further extend into uh, less relevant or non-relevant uh, 
elements of cabinet confidentiality and solicitor-client privilege uh, is an important one that maintains the integrity of our institutions and our capacity to function as a government without setting uh, troublesome or worrisome precedents. It's almost like I could hear the wheels turning during that, right? Like carefully stepping around some landmines there. Now, Trudeau was also asked by Global News about whether the deferred prosecution agreement is still even a possibility for SNC-Lavalin. And his answer suggests that maybe he is seeing things a little bit differently now. Can you say whether a DPA is still on the table? Uh, that is a decision uh, to be made by uh, the Attorney General and Minister of Justice, uh, not a decision uh, for the Prime Minister to make. Yeah, you might have wanted to say that repeatedly a year ago. All of this could have been avoided. Uh, so anyway, we're going to have more on this. Uh, they've just wrapped up that uh, press conference, but no apology. Lots of I take full responsibility, but no really clear indications of what that means. Taking responsibility means recognizing that uh, what we did over the past year uh, wasn't good enough. But at the same time, I can't apologize for standing up for Canadian jobs. That baffles me, that quote right there. It's not that it wasn't good enough, it's that it wasn't good what you did over the last year. And is, when you say taking full responsibility, does that really mean that you fully understand what has happened? We want to break this all down today with somebody who has seen this before. I'm sure time and time again, Keith Baldry joins us now, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Hey, Simi. Now, you've seen your fair share of these Mia Culpa press conferences. How do you rate this one? Well, I'm not surprised by what Mr. Joe had to say. I mean, he's sort of been halfway defiant on this issue from day one, that he, he sees nothing wrong for a prime minister to uh, talk to an attorney general about a case like this, that it's uh, you can't separate the two uh, completely, that uh, there's political um, connotations to all these things, and that the PMO was in its rights to at least canvas the topic with her. But it's uh, he'll go as far as to say sort of a mea culpa um, admitting that he did things wrong on other aspects of this, but he remains defiant on a key aspect of this, saying he still thinks that was about protecting jobs rather than improperly interfering with, uh, with the AG. So I don't think much has changed other than you've got now an independent ruling from an ethics watchdog that uh, he was in violation of the conflict of interest or section 9 of the ethics code and that is unprecedented and now it carries with it no specific penalty or anything like that and it's interesting uh, talking to J Jagmeet Singh over here today, he was in Victoria at an event and listening to Andrew Shear. both of course not surprisingly harshly condemning yeah. the Prime Minister but both stopping well short of demanding his resignation, just saying that he's in he shouldn't be prime minister, but leaving it to the people to decide in the election campaign, which tells me they think this is now a gift to hang around Trudeau's neck day in and day out come the campaign. SNC-Lavalin proved to be a tremendous drag on the Liberals' fortunes when this first broke in the spring, uh, and it continues to do so for weeks. The Liberals have recovered since then in poll after poll, basically neck and neck with the Conservatives, and ahead of them in the riding critically riding rich provinces of Ontario and Quebec, where SNC-Lavalin might play a little differently than it does out mm -hmm. in D.C. or the Prairie. So I think that he caught a bit, of a, a bit of a break. It landed in the middle of August, and a lot of people aren't paying attention to politics. So it's a challenge for the Conservatives and the NDP to bring this issue back with a vengeance come the fall. They've got a nice little thing, this little 
gift wrap bow uh, from yeah. uh, the ethics commissioner here, and we'll see if they can sustain it as an issue that proves to be as uh, destructive to the liberal brand as it was in the spring. That's what I'm wondering. Like, is this really the albatross, though, that they think it is? Because, as you pointed out, like, we have been now dealing with this since February the 8th when that original Globe and Mail article dropped. Mm -hmm. Don't you think people's opinion of this has already solidified somewhat? Yeah, I think to a, a significant degree it has. And I also think as we get closer to an election, elections are about choices. And if you don't like one, well, you've got to choose something else if you're going to vote. So the question is, is this enough of an issue that in the spring proved to push people away from Trudeau and the Liberals into other parties' camps? Well, now the, the stakes are considerably higher. I mean, that was just a, a, an opinion back in the spring. Now it's an actual vote. So when people actually view this issue as something to say, I've had it with Trudeau and the Liberals, I'm voting conservative or NDP or green, or is this issue sort of peaked in the spring and it doesn't necessarily rise up to the level right. it was back then just because there's a, an ethics commissioner report that a lot of people I think had forgotten about that this thing was even out there. Right. But again, it's, an, it's a challenge for, the conserv for any opposition party uh, in an election to keep scandals alive. Sometimes scandal. I've covered a lot of governments who've been beset by scandals and you think, uh, listening to people, well, that might, must mean they're done and those governments, those parties yeah. keep getting reelected because other issues, whether in this campaign, is it climate change? Is it environmental Environmental protection? Is it economic issues? Are those the ones that are vote determinant? Are those the, the pressing issues of, of Canadians? Or is it going to be ethics and SNC Lavalin and Mr. Trudeau's uh, perceived transgressions? I don't think anybody really has a firm grip on that yet. I also got a sense, too, of what we're going to be hearing a lot about, at least from the Liberals during the election, is hammering away at what's going on in Ontario. Clearly, yeah. Ontario is their hope, right? A very unpopular conservative government there. He even referenced it a couple of times in his opening remarks. Is that a preview? Oh, yeah. I think they're going to use Doug Ford as much as they can uh, in Ontario because uh, that's proved to be rich fodder for them in terms of uh, sort of besting the Conservatives who are going to be twinned to Mr. Ford over and over again by the Liberals, which gives them an edge in an incredibly important number of ridings around Metro Toronto. And that's, uh, that's where the election is going to be decided, along with Quebec, where, again, the Liberals have an edge there, where SNC-Lavalin is seen completely different in Quebec. This was about protecting Quebec jobs, and I think uh, Trudeau wins that issue in that province, which is one reason why he's leading the polls there right. as well. So I don't see this necessarily as determining the outcome of the next election, but it's a challenge for Trudeau to be able to put this behind him and get people to talk about other issues rather than ethical lapses being found by an independent right. watchdog. You make a really good point then. So once again, you know, if we translate this, it really is kind of like a Western Canadian thing versus how Central Canada and Atlantic Canada sees this. Well, yeah, and, but it's, it's up to Mr. It's a challenge for Mr. Shear and Mr. Singh to turn this into a, a national referendum, the next election. And clearly they seem to signal this in their, in their, talk, their remarks today in response to these findings, turning the election into a referendum on Mr. Trudeau's ethics or in their view, right. their lack of ethics and making that the issue in the campaign rather than jobs, uh, climate plans, uh, climate action plans, which has very much been the talk in recent uh, mm -hmm. weeks since the SNC Lavalin sort of faded from into the background. Everybody's been talking about climate action plans. And uh, is that going to be, are the parties going to go back to f stressing that in the in the upcoming campaign? Elizabeth May has signaled that's, that's her issue. That's all she wants to talk about. And we'll see if Jagmeet Singh, in his effort to basically hold on what he's got, he just wants to hold his seats and maybe grow yeah. a little bit. Does that mean talking about issues that are more 
personally more important to the Democrats, which is, you know, good union jobs and climate action, taking strong action on fighting climate change. I have a feeling those issues will still rise to the fore over this one. All right, Keith, thank you. All right, take care. That's Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief.